0: Section 10 of Dogmatic Theology, Soteriology by William G. T. Shedd. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sanctification. The term sanctify, agiasin, is employed in Scripture in two senses: a) to consecrate or set apart to a sacred service or use. John 10:36, "Whom the Father hath sanctified and sent." Matthew 23:17 the temple that sanctifieth the gold. B. To purify and make holy. 1 Corinthians 6.11 But ye are washed, ye are sanctified. Hebrews 13.12 John 17.17 Sanctify them through thy truth. The latter is the sense in which it is taken when the doctrine of sanctification is discussed. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 35, defines as follows. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Ephesians 1.4, God hath chosen us that we should be holy. 1 Corinthians 6.11, Ye are washed, ye are sanctified by the Spirit of our God. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, God hath chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5:23 The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. 1 Sanctification results from the continuation of the agency of the Holy Spirit after the act of regeneration, a in strengthening and augmenting existing graces, faith, hope, charity, etc., b in exciting them to exercise through reading and hearing the word, the sacraments, prayer, providences, afflictions and chastisements. Hence it is often called renewing. Psalm 51.10, 2 Corinthians 4.16, Ephesians 4.23, Colossians 3.10, Romans 12.2, Titus 3.5. Renewing, or renovation, in this use of the term is not synonymous with regeneration. When St. Paul exhorts the Ephesians, 4.23, to be renewed in the spirit of their mind, he is not exhorting them to regenerate themselves, but to sanctify themselves. So also, with the exhortation to the house of Israel, make you a new heart, Ezekiel 18.31. 2. Sanctification includes the entire man. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Sanctification affects a. the higher rational and spiritual part of man's nature, the Pnefma, because this has been corrupted by the fall. Titus one fifteen, Romans one twenty eight, Ephesians 4.18 B. The inferior intelligence, the Psyche. C. The body, Soma. As apostasy began in the pneuma and affected the other parts of human nature, so sanctification begins in the pneuma and passes throughout the soul and body. A man can control his physical appetites in proportion as he has a vivid spiritual perception of God and divine things. The intuition of the pneuma restrains the appetites of the psuche and Soma. If spiritual perception be dim, the bodily appetite is strong. That the higher nature, denominated Pnefma or Nus, is depraved and needs to be sanctified is proved by Romans 1.28, 12.2, Ephesians 4.17, 2 Timothy 3.8, Titus 1.15, Mark one twenty-three, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 3. Sanctification is gradual. We are enabled more and more to die to sin, It is the conflict with and victory over indwelling sin described in Romans 7.14 to 8.28. The eighth chapter of Romans, as well as the seventh, speaks of the struggle and groaning of the still partially enslaved will. Even we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body, for we are saved by hope. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, and maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8:23, 24, and 26. Four, the means of sanctification are a internal, namely faith. Galatians 5:6, faith worketh by love. Hope. Romans 5:5, 5, 5, hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Joy. 1 Peter 1:8 1, and 9, in whom ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peace. Philippians four seven the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The exercise of any one of these Christian graces increases the holiness of the believer. B external, the Scriptures John seventeen seventeen sanctify them through thy truth, one Peter chapter one verses twenty two and twenty three chapter two verse two, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, prayer. John 14, 13 and 14. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do it. Acts 2, 42. Providential discipline. John 15, 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he purgeth. Romans 5, 3 and 4. Hebrews 12, 5 to 11. The sacrament of the supper. Acts 2, 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. 5. The believer cooperates with God the Spirit in the use of the means of sanctification. Sanctification is both a grace and a duty. 1 Corinthians 16.13 Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Ephesians 6.16 and 18 Take the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. Philippians two, twelve and thirteen. Work out your own salvation, for it is God which worketh in you. Hence sanctification is the subject of a command. Ephesians four, twenty two and twenty three. Put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ezekiel eighteen thirty one. Make you a new heart and a new spirit. Regeneration, being the sole work of God, is a grace, but not a duty. It is nowhere enjoined upon man as a duty to regenerate himself. 6. Sanctification, though progressive, is not complete in this life. 1 John 1, 8 and 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but I press towards the mark. Romans 7, 18 and 23. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Galatians 5, 7. Sanctification is completed at death. The souls of believers at their death are made perfect in holiness. Shorter Catechism thirty seven. Hebrews twelve twenty three. The perfect Jerusalem contains the spirits of just men made perfect. 1 John three two. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. two Corinthians five eight. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. Ephesians five twenty seven Christ loved the church, that he might sanctify it and present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. 1 Corinthians 13.12 Now we see through a glass darkly, but when that which is perfect is come, face to face. Matthew 5.8 The pure in heart shall see God. Revelation 14.13 Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. 7. Sanctification once begun is never wholly lost. It fluctuates with the fidelity of the believer, but he never falls back into the stupor and death of the unregenerate state. Larger Catechism seventy nine. They whom God hath sanctified by his spirit shall constantly persevere to the end and be saved. John ten twenty eight and twenty nine. My sheep shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Philippians one six. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.5 Believers are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Exhortations to diligence and warnings against carelessness and failure are consistent with the certain perseverance of the believer, because a. while the certainty is objective in God, it may not be subjective in man. God knows that a particular man will certainly persevere because he purposes that he shall, and he will realize his purpose by the operation of his spirit within him. But the man does not know this unless he has assurance of faith. Many believers do not have this highest degree of faith, and hence are more or less subject to doubts and fears. Exhortations to diligence and warnings against apostasy suit such an experience as this but one who is assured of salvation by the witness of the Holy Spirit would not require to be warned against apostasy while in this state of assurance. b. Exhortations to struggle with sin and warnings against its insidious and dangerous nature are one of the means employed by the Holy Spirit to secure perseverance. The decree of election includes the means as well as the end. Now, if success in the use of means is certain, there is the strongest motive to employ them but if success is uncertain, then there is little motive to use them. St. Paul employs the certainty of success as a motive to struggle. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, 1 Timothy 6.12. It must be remembered that salvation is certain, not because the person believes that he has once believed in the past, but because he now consciously believes. If, from his present experience and daily life, he has reason to think that he is truly a believing Christian, then he has reason to expect that he will continue to be one. Cromwell, according to the anecdote, committed an error in inferring his good estate because he believed that he was once a believer. Footnote. The passage in Hebrews 6, 4-6 is hypothetical, as is proved by verse 9. We are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. A supposition which is not an actual or even a possible case is sometimes made for the sake of illustrating or enforcing truth. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, Paul supposes the existence of Christian faith without that of Christian charity. In Galatians 1.8, he supposes that an angel from heaven may preach another gospel than the true one. In Matthew 13:21 and 22 the stony ground hearer is not a true believer. In 2 Peter 2:20 2, 20 and 21 the dog who returns to its own vomit is a false professor. His knowing the way of righteousness is superficial knowledge, like that of the stony ground hearer. End footnote. That sanctification is never lost is proved also by its connection with justification. Justification naturally tends to sanctification. Galatians five six. Faith worketh by love. Trust in Christ's blood of atonement spontaneously impels to the resistance of sin. And if there be no struggle against sin, it is clear proof that there is no true trust in Christ's sacrifice. Justification supplies the only efficient motive to obedience. Hence the obedience of the believer is called new obedience because of the new motive from which it springs, viz. the atoning love of the Redeemer. It is also denominated the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Gratitude to Christ and love of Him, for the forgiveness that comes through His death, are the springs of this evangelical obedience and sanctification. The strongest inducement for a Christian to obey the divine law is the fact that he has been graciously pardoned for having broken the law. He follows after sanctification because he has received justification. He obeys the law not in order to be forgiven, but because he has been forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.4 The love of Christ constraineth us, not to live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for us. And the love meant is Christ's redeeming love. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Having these promises of forgiveness, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Because God has blotted out all his past sin, the believer has the most encouraging of all motives to resist all future sin. Had God not pardoned the past, it would be futile to struggle in future. In 2 Peter 1.4 it is said that the exceeding great and precious promises are given to us in order that by these we might be partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. Sanctification does not justify, but justification sanctifies. And there being this close connection between the two, sanctification can no more be wholly lost than justification can be. The necessary connection between sanctification and justification is taught by both Paul and James, between whose views there is a verbal but not a logical contradiction. Paul, in Romans 4, 4 4-13, assumes that saving faith is living faith and produces works, but he says nothing particularly upon this latter point. First, because his object is to contrast faith and works, and secondly, because the opponent with whom he was disputing did not claim to be justified by faith of any kind, true or false, but by works altogether. James, on the other hand, not only assumes that saving faith is living faith and produces works, but speaks particularly and emphatically upon this latter point. First, because he is not contrasting faith and works, and secondly, because he was contending with hypocrites, who claimed that what they called faith alone and faith only, and what James calls dead faith, is a faith that would save the soul. Hooker remarks that justification is spoken of by St. Paul in the narrow sense as exclusive of sanctification, but by St. James in the wide sense as inclusive of it. Paul means justification without its fruits, James means sanctification with its fruits. The former speaks of faith simply the latter of working faith. Paul describes faith as the antithesis of works, James describes faith as producing works. Footnote. The seeming contradiction between Paul and James disappears if James is understood to put, by metonymy, the effect for the cause, the work of faith for faith itself. When he says that Abraham was justified by works, James 2.21, and Rachel was justified by works, James 2.25, he means that they were justified by a faith that produced works, or a working faith. Abraham's work proved that his faith was genuine and therefore might well stand for and represent it. It was a work of faith. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Shed, Sermons to the Spiritual Man, Sermon 19 End of section 10